0: feel like a wrestler with theme music or something like spark should be shooting up as I come the videos play and get this hard music. I think we learned a very important lesson already tonight, and that is if you live in the Gibson household where there are 19 other kids or whatever it is, and you're offered free food, you take it, brother. You don't turn down. If you have to scrape it off, if it's coming off the bottom of like a desk or something, if somebody's gonna give you food for free, you take it. Am I right, Mr. Gibson? That's a maxim in the Gibson household, is that right? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was. All right, if you've been with us for the last several weeks, you know that we're going through a book, uh, as the video just showed you. The book is called Not a Fan. Incidentally, that is also the name of the series that we, we're in. We've been in it for a few weeks. I think this is the, uh, actually the fifth week that we've been in this series, okay? If you've been here, you know that the premise of the book is very simple, right? And if you haven't been here and if you haven't been reading long, that's okay. I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version. Here it is, Okay. The premise of the book is this. Jesus wants followers, not fans. Jesus wants followers, not fans. Very simple, right? But it's, but it's an important difference, right? Jesus wants people that are going to be disciples of him. He wants people that are going to lay down their lives, literally, their past, their present, and their future. He wants people that are going to lay that life down, take up their cross every single day, and live like Jesus lived. And that's hard to do. Right? It's a lot easier to be what, what the author calls a fan of Jesus. That's very popular. It's very easy to say, yeah, Jesus teaches some good things. He's a good moral teacher. He was kind of a revolutionary in his thinking. That's pretty cool, and I admire that. And I'm going to sit on the sidelines and kind of golf clap when Jesus says things that I like. I'm going to try to love my neighbor as myself. I think those are good things. But when push comes to shove, a fan is going to walk away. Right? A fan is different from a follower. And what the author's point is, and it's it's the point of the Bible, is Jesus wants followers, okay? So what the book does is it takes a question every single chapter, one simple question per chapter, right? And it helps us apply it to our lives and ask ourselves, am I a fan or am I really and truly a follower of Jesus Christ? So here, very briefly, I'm just going to run down the list. We've looked at four questions already, okay? And here's what what we've looked at so far. Derek's done a good job covering all these, so I don't have to spend much time on it. Did you make a decision or a commitment? That was the first question. In your life, did you make a decision or did you make a commitment? What's your relationship with Jesus based on? Is it based on a one-time decision that, you know, you you, you decided you didn't want to go to hell and so you walked down the aisle and you did the baptism thing and you prayed whatever prayer you were told and, and that's kind of the extent of your relationship with Jesus. You made that decision, you were told that was a good thing, you were patted on the back, you know, you were welcomed into the church. But that's really all your relationship with Jesus is about, a one-time decision. Or, are you a committed follower of Jesus? Did you make a decision or did you make a commitment? Because a commitment is more than a decision. In fact, a commitment involves many, many, many decisions over a long period of time. Right? You've got to make decision after decision after decision that evidence the fact that you're committed to Jesus. So that was week one. Second question. Do you know who Jesus is? I'm sorry. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus, or do you just know about Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him, or do you just know some facts about him? Do you know where Genesis is and Revelation is, and the stuff in the middle is? You'll find it eventually. You'll flip there. Uh, you'll find it on your phone. I, I don't really. I know a lot about Jesus. I know some facts, but I don't really have a relationship with him. Look, I know a lot of facts about Michael Jordan. I grew up watching Michael Jordan. I was a big fan of the Bulls. I know he's six foot six. I know he went to North Carolina, right? I know he won six NBA championships. I know that uh, uh, he won multiple scoring titles. I know he retired for a year to play baseball. I know fact upon fact upon fact about Michael Jordan. Here's a confession. I've never met the guy. I don't know Michael Jordan. We don't have any kind of relationship. And the book asked this question. Do you know Jesus or you just know a lot of stuff about him, right? Are you a follower or are you a fan? Third question we looked at. Does Jesus mean something to you? Or does he mean everything to you? Is Jesus part of your life or is he your life? Is he just kind of a a welcome addition to the rest of the stuff you got going on or is he what your life is all about? Fourth question, do you care more about the outside than the inside? Followers care about the inside because that's what Jesus cared about. Now finally, tonight, we get to the fifth question and here it is. I'm going to give it to you and then we're going to jump in. Are you self-empowered or are you spirit-filled? Are you self-empowered or are you spirit-filled? Here's the point the book makes. And you guys can read this for yourself, so I'm not going to give you a summary of what the book says. I'll leave that for you. We're going to kind of use what the book says as a springboard to go a little bit deeper, all right? Here's what the book says. It says, you can try as hard as you want to try. Every single day, you can go all out, Do the best you can. Try and try and try to live a Christian life. And if you're not plugged in to the power of the Holy Spirit, you're just going to end up frustrated and angry and bitter. And you're going to fail time and time again. The book says, and the the Bible says, that to live a Christian life requires that we're plugged in to the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do tonight, very briefly, and I know time is is already short on us, I want to explore what that means. What does it mean? to be plugged into the Holy Spirit, okay? Here's how we're gonna do that. We're gonna read a, 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 if you got your Bibles out, go ahead and get them. Uh, Galatians chapter five is where we're gonna be tonight. Galatians five, starting in verse 19. Here's the deal. There is a ton of scripture about the Holy Spirit, right? Old Testament, New Testament, before Jesus, after Jesus. There's just a ton of scripture about the Holy Spirit. We could spend an entire series, we could probably spend this whole year doing series, uh, sermon upon sermon about the Holy Spirit and never get to the depth of who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. We could, we could spend week after week going through scripture upon scripture of the Holy Spirit, right? So there's no way we can possibly cover it in the next 15 to 20 minutes. So here's what I want to do. We're going to end up in Galatians 5, but I've also picked two what I feel are kind of representative passages, right, that kind of help us understand what it is the Holy Spirit does. Okay, so before we jump into into Galatians 5, let me just kind of limit our scope a little bit. I'm going to assume that you guys already know, number one, who the Holy Spirit is, okay? The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? I'm going to assume you know that, you've got some working knowledge of what that means. I'm going to assume you know where the Holy Spirit is, that upon salvation, the Holy Spirit is given to Christians, right? The Holy Spirit actually lives in us. God actually lives in us. That's the where. You know the who. You know the where. I'm going to assume that. And what I want to focus on tonight is the what. What does the Holy Spirit do? Why is the Holy Spirit so important? What is the Holy Spirit's function? All right, so you're at at Galatians 5. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read John 16. I think we got this. We can put it up on the screen for you guys. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it very quickly. John 16, verses 12 and 13. Here's what it says. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, I have much more to say to you. This is right before Jesus is about to be crucified. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit here. When he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. Now take note of that phrase. He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. Now let's skip down to, we're going to go to Acts chapter 1 now. Acts 1, 8. Again, this is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. He's teaching us. Hang with me. We're going to get there. This is Jesus right before his ascension. Okay, Acts 1, 8 says this. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, let's go to Galatians. You guys are already there. Okay, Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 19. Here's what it says. This is Paul writing, okay? It says, the works of the flesh are evident. In other words, this is what you naturally do, right? You don't have to be trained how to do these things. You're born this way, right? The works of the flesh are evident. Here's what they are. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, the person that lives by the Spirit, the person that's plugged into the Holy Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, And self-control. He says, against such law, against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Pray with me briefly, and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, God, is there a more important subject that we could possibly talk about tonight? than welcoming into our lives your your spirit, your power, God, your guidance. God, I pray for your blessing on this time tonight. I pray you would speak through me. I pray you would open hearts and minds to what you would say through me, God. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So we just read three passages, all right? Hang with me because we're going to bring it all together, okay? We just read three passages. The passage in John said what? Said, I will, the Holy Spirit will guide you. The Holy Spirit will guide you, right? And the passage in Acts said what? You will receive power. Now, I chose these two passages because I thought they were representative of what the Holy Spirit does. And, and kind of a side note here, we're not going to talk about gifts of the Spirit. We're not going to talk about uh, healings and miracles, although... We, we could spend, again, weeks and weeks on those things. We're just not, not going to deal with that. That's a separate subject, okay? I want to deal with the things that you and I see more. I don't know about you. I don't see a lot of people being, uh, being faith-healed at school. Maybe that happens. I, I don't know. I don't doubt that it could happen. But he, we, what I do see is the thing that we're going to talk about tonight. I do see people being guided by the Holy Spirit, and I do see people being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what I mean. What do I mean when I say guided? What do I mean when I say the Holy Spirit guides us? What does that mean? What does it mean to be guided? You guys know what guided means, right? It means to be led. It means to be shown the way. Now, what way do you think the Holy Spirit is going to guide us, is going to lead us? As I look at Scripture, here's what I see. I see the Holy Holy Spirit pointing people to Jesus. Here's a guarantee. You guys are going to pray this prayer a lot over the next, I don't know, five to ten years. You're going to pray, Lord, what is the will for my life? What do you want me to do, God? I just want to know what it is you want me to do. I want to know what your will is. I don't know what school to go to. I don't know what career to choose. I don't know what to study. Lord, tell me what your will is. Let me me just shortcut it for you, okay? Because I've prayed that prayer a lot. Let Let me give you a promise. The Holy Spirit, this is his will for your life. This is God's will for your life. To become more and more and more like Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. In whatever circumstance you face, in whatever is going on in your life, the Holy Spirit is going to guide you. And where is he going to guide you? He's going to guide you directly to Jesus. Jesus is the answer for every single problem you guys face. That's hard to see. That's hard to see when you're in the middle of the circumstances. But when you're on the other side looking back, you know, you know that Jesus is the answer. The Holy Spirit guides us, and he guides us right to Jesus. In Acts, we saw that the Holy Spirit gives us power. Now, this is where I want to spend the bulk of our time tonight. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit gives us power? Because when I see that, I think, all right, I got saved, I got the Holy Spirit, my bench press is going to go up 150 pounds, I'm going to be able to leap tall buildings in a single... By the way, I don't think I can even bench press 150 pounds, just full disclosure, I want you to know that. I feel like you should be able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, I feel like you should be able to maybe make things levitate if you have the power of God in your life. Don't you kind of have these... Maybe you guys are way more spiritually mature than I am. This is, this is the kind of thing that goes through my head. This is the kind of power that I think would be cool to have. Interestingly, that's not what God's talking about, right? We're not going to be able to jump over tall buildings. We're not going to be able to stop bullets with our hands. And I don't think the Holy Spirit's going to increase our bench press 150 pounds overnight. Maybe he will. I don't know. This is the kind of power that, 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 that the Bible's talking about. This is the power that the Holy Spirit gives us, that we see time and time again in Scripture, okay? Here it is. It's the power to overcome. The power to overcome. What do I mean? What what is it we're overcoming? The Holy Spirit's power is power to overcome sin, power to overcome temptation, power to overcome fear, power to overcome worry and doubt, power to overcome whatever circumstance is going on in your life that would lead you away from Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is power to overcome those things. Let me tell you how I know that. I know that because of Galatians 5. We just read through Galatians 5. I don't know if you saw the word power in there or not. I don't think it's in there, right? So you may look at that. It's this list of fruit of the Spirit. And what do we see? What are the fruits of the Spirit? It's not strength and endurance and and physical stature. It's none of that stuff, right? It's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, right? And on and on down the list, it's like somebody's describing your grandmother, right? That's what it sounds like. The last thing you think of if you read this on its face is, man, look at the power in those verses. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, right? The last thing you think of is is power. Let me show you where the power is, okay? Let me make this promise to you. Without the Holy Spirit empowering you in your life, there's no chance that you're going to be characterized by things like love, and joy, and peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no way. Let's, let's just look at these one by one, and let's look at how they're evidence of the Holy Spirit working in power in our lives, right? So the first one is love, love. Now, what does love have to do with power? Why is love the result of the Holy Spirit's power? Can I, can I tell you something? It's really easy to hate people, isn't it, right? It's, it's really easy to be mad at people. It's really easy to hate. And sometimes it feels really good, right? Am I the only one? Sometimes it just feels good to hate somebody, okay? I, I bet everybody in this room has been there. I'm not the only one. You know what else? It's easy to be selfish. It's really easy to be selfish. It's easy for me to wake up in the morning, and, and I'm getting up, and I'm going to go to work, and I look, and by George, my wife hasn't been up for an hour cooking me breakfast. Can you believe that? Can you, how selfish is she? And by the way, if I asked my wife to do that, she is sweet enough and good enough and an amazing wife enough that she actually would do that. Okay, that's not the point. That's going to ruin the illustration. Just imagine she's a selfish person. Okay. I'm a selfish person. It's easy for me to be selfish. It's easy for me to want what I want when I want it and be mad at other people and hate other people when I don't get it. You know what's hard? Loving people. Loving people is ridiculously hard. Do you know why? Because people aren't very lovable, by and large. You know why? Because they're selfish and because they're hateful. It's not easy to love you people. You're selfish and hateful, and so am I. And we need some supernatural power to enable us to overcome what's natural in us, right? We need some supernatural power to overcome that selfishness, to overcome that hatred, and actually love other people the same way we love ourselves. That's a ridiculous notion without the Holy Spirit. Without something supernatural, there's no way on this earth that you could ever love another person the way you love yourself. But Jesus says to do it. Why? Because he knows the Holy Spirit is coming and he is going to empower you to love other people the way you love yourself. Let's look at the second one. Joy. Again, When you think of joy, the last thing you think of is power, strength, power. So what does joy have to do with power? Again, let me throw some statistics at you guys. I'm really good at Google, and I can find this thing, you know, really, really quick. And what I love is everything on the Internet is true, and so I can preach it like it's truth. And that's just a good feeling. Here's a statistic I found. Every single year, 21 billion dollars is spent, billion with a B, 21 billion dollars is spent on antidepressant medication. 21 billion dollars. Antidepressant medication is the number one uh, prescription in the entire world. The number one prescribed type of drug in the entire world is not blood pressure medication. It's not cholesterol medication. It's not medicine to fight cancer. It's antidepressant Medication. Do you know what antidepressant means? It means it makes you feel better. Right? It it means it gives you a pick-me-up. It means it means that that when you're feeling down and sad and melancholy, it picks you up. That's what it does. Do you you see the extent of the problem when that's the number one prescribed drug in the entire world? Antidepressants? It's easy to be sad. It's our natural condition. It's easy to, to fall into despair. And look what, look what Paul says. Look what the Bible promises. He says, if the Holy Spirit is active in your life, you're going to have joy. Now, I don't, look, people legitimately need those medications and people have medical issues and medical reasons, so I don't want to discount any of that. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says if the Holy Spirit is active in your life, he's going to overcome despair and depression and sadness and you're going to have joy. That's amazing. That's an amazing amount of power. What's the next one? Peace. We'll go through these quickly because we're running out of time already. Peace is power over fear and worry. This is how the Holy Spirit overcomes. This is what happens when the Holy Spirit overcomes fear and worry. I don't know about you. I worry about a lot. I do. The Holy Spirit has power to overcome that worry and replace it with peace. Patience is the next one. Patience is the Holy Spirit's power over anger and over selfishness again. Kindness is the power over self centeredness. Goodness. Wow, goodness is the power over evil itself. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is the power over temptation, the power to stay true to God, the power to run the race that's set before you with endurance. Gentleness. Gentleness is the power over insensitivity, callousness. Again, self centeredness. And then finally, self control. The Bible says that when the Holy Spirit is active in a person's life, when they're plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit, they'll have self-control. How many times in the last week, you guys, have you said, I just couldn't help it? I probably shouldn't have done that, but I just couldn't help it. I probably shouldn't have smarted off to my parents, but I just couldn't help it. I shouldn't have said that about her, but I couldn't help it. I probably shouldn't have clicked on that, but I couldn't help it. I probably should have studied, but I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it, I couldn't help it, I couldn't help it. You know what? There's some truth to that. There's some truth to that. If you're living a life apart from the Holy Spirit, it's really, really hard to control yourself. It's really hard. It's really easy to give in to those temptations, man. It's easy. And it's hard. It's hard to control yourself. But the Bible says if you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you can do just that. So love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and on and on down the list we go. These are things obviously we want in our lives. I want joy in my life. I want to be there, just this abiding happiness down deep, this, this satisfaction with who I am, with the way the world is, with, with who God is. I want joy in my life. Does anybody really want to be unhappy? I, I don't. I want to be happy. I want that joy. I want to have peace. I don't want to wake up every day anxious about the day. I don't want to lose sleep at night thinking about what's going on. I want abiding and true peace in my life. Right? And on and on down the list we go. Let me tell you something. If you've ever met a person that's characterized by the fruit of the Spirit, man, you want to be around that person all the time. Because they care about you. Because they love you. Because they're not going to judge you because they're going to encourage you, right? We want to be around kind people. We want to be around peaceful people. We don't want to be around angry, sad, dramatic people. We've got an epidemic of those kind of people in this country. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, so let's, let's kind of bring it home. Let's, let's make this apply to our lives a little bit. Here's the question for you tonight. It's a very simple one. We just went through the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Here's the question. Ask yourself this. Are those things obvious in my life? Are the fruits of the Spirit obvious in my life? If somebody, if somebody were asked to go one through nine and rank you know, traits of how to describe me, if I said, name the top nine adjectives about, about David, How many of these fruits of the Spirit would be on that list? Ask yourself that. Ask yourself if if, if there's evidence in your life of the Spirit's power and guidance. I don't know how you answer that, but I think you have to. I've written down just six little signs, okay, to kind of help you get thinking, help you realize whether or not you're living by the guidance of, and the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, we're going to go through these quickly. There's three relating to guidance. There's three relating to power. Here are three signs, three signs that you are not following the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Number one, you brag on yourself more than you brag about Jesus. You brag on yourself more than you brag about Jesus. Here's what Paul said. Paul said there's nothing in life that's worth bragging about except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So are you bragging on yourself more than you're bragging about Jesus? If so, that's one area where you're not following the guidance of the Holy Spirit, unquestionably. Number two, you criticize more than you encourage. Anybody? Any criticizers in here? You criticize other people more than you encourage them. Here's what Jesus said. He said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said, love one another. As you love one another, this is how people are going to know that you're my disciples, the way you treat one another. So do you encourage each other? Do you bear one another's burdens? Or do you find yourself tearing people down and making fun more than, more than not? If you're that person, if you're that criticizer, that's an area where you're not following the direction and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Number three, this is a good one. Number three, you tell God what he should do for you more than you ask him what you should do for him. That was a little wordy. Let me read it again. You tell God, this, is, this has to do with your prayer life. I encourage you guys to listen to yourselves when you pray. You tell God what he should do more than you ask him what you should do for him. What do I mean by that? I mean this. Listen to yourself pray. Are your prayers marked by, by words like this? Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me. Keep me safe, keep me safe. Give me this, give me that. Lord, help me pass that test. Help me shoot under par. God, help me score 30 points. God, help her go out with me. God, give me a car. God, help my parents understand. God, give me, give me, give me, give me. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. Bless me, bless me. In Jesus' name, amen. Or, or are your prayers something like this? Lord God. I want your will more than I want mine. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When Jesus taught us how to pray, he told us to ask for our needs, but God already knows our needs and he's gonna meet them. Here's what Jesus said, he said, focus on the kingdom of God and ask God to make his kingdom manifest through you. What are you praying about? What are you praying about? Are you asking for stuff? Are you asking how you can serve God, who you can love, who you can minister to? Here's the next one. This one has to do with ignoring the power. Again, we have this amazing power, you guys. The God of the universe lives inside us, right? And we have access to the power of the God of the universe inside us. If nothing else, the power to overcome the things in our lives. Why would we ever ignore that power? We do so at our own peril. Here's a sign that you're ignoring it, though. You don't read the Bible or pray because you're too busy. You don't read the Bible or pray because you're too busy you got too much going on. you got to get to class, and you've you got to get to school early because you stayed up late the night before playing Xbox. Man, you got to, you got to get there early so you can get your homework done, right? you got a lot of stuff to do, and God understands, and he wants you to make good grades, so you got to get there and, and get your stuff done. You're too busy, right, to take time to pray or to read the Bible. Let me, let me share something with you. Jesus, who was God, took time out of his day, significant amounts of time, early in the morning, to pray. To pray, to show us that we cannot get through very long without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? I don't know why God made it this way, but he did. I'll I'll tell you what. You can probably go tomorrow without reading your Bible, right? Without praying. You can probably go the next day and the day after that. But I'm gonna promise you this. The more days in a row you go and the more weeks in a row you go without consciously and intentionally spending time with God, the drier and drier you're going to be spiritually. Not only are you going to be dry, you're going to be weak. Why? Because you've disconnected yourself from the source of that overcoming power. And so the more you distance yourself from that power, the weaker you become, the less able to overcome sin and temptation you become. And the more and more likely it is that you're going to fall prey to whatever tempts you. Next one. You worry about things you can't control. This is evidence that you are, not, you are not living in the power of the Spirit. You worry about things you can't even control. Things that are so far beyond you, there's no way you can even have an influence in them. But man, you lose sleep at night thinking about them. You cannot get it off your mind, man. It is at the top of your list every day. You are checking to see what happened. You're worried about it. And it's evidence that you don't trust God to be in control. We're denying that power. Third and finally, we're almost finished. Hang with me, you guys are doing great. Here's the third, third sign, that you are ignoring the power of God in your life, the power of the Holy Spirit. You think that if you could just change some variable in your life, you could have joy. If I could just make a little bit more money, right? If, if I could just be friends with these guys over here, if I could just date him, if I could just, if I could just date her, if, if I could just get into this school, If I could just make this team, if I could just get a little more playing time, if I could just score this many points, if I could just be recruited, if I could just, if I could just, if I could just, if I could just get that new car, if I could just get that other phone I want, man, everything will be okay with me. If I just get that, if I just get that next thing. It's an attitude that completely ignores the fact that God is going to meet every need in your life and the fact that God knows what you need, what's good for you. And what will glorify him? It ignores the truth of Scripture and it ignores the power that God gives you to have peace. To have peace. Here's how we're going to conclude I'm going to ask the band if they'll come on up and, uh, and they're going to play a song. All right? <clears throat> here's what I'd like we're going to have a little bit of, of a response time. And here's what I want you to ask yourselves. I've thrown a lot at you. It's a little bit scattered. I'm sorry for that. It's a lot, right? It's a lot. I I recognize that. But I don't want you to miss this opportunity because we're going to take maybe five minutes. The band's going to play one song. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to say yes to the Holy Spirit. And I want you to ask yourself that question that we asked a minute ago, and it's this. Is there evidence of the Holy Spirit's power and guidance in my life? Is, am I a person that's defined by love and joy and peace and on down the list? And if the answer is no, here's what I want you to consider. If the answer is no, it's because, it's because of, of a couple of things. Number one, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus to begin with. Maybe you have no relationship at all with Jesus and, and so therefore the Holy Spirit is not a part of who you are. And it should be no surprise that the Holy Spirit's not evidencing his power in your life if that's the case there is no better time than this night right now to say yes to jesus christ and accept salvation accept him as your lord and savior but maybe that's not you tonight maybe you've said yes at some point right maybe you've made that decision a long time ago but maybe since then you've either been ignoring the holy spirit or you've just flat out been saying no, I'm gonna do exactly what I wanna do, when I wanna do it, how I wanna do it. If that's you here tonight, there's no better time than tonight to start saying yes to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the band's gonna start playing. And here's the deal, those of you in here tonight, I'd say there are some, I know there are some because I can see the joy in your face, in your eyes when I talk to you. I know the peace that you have and I share that. If that's you tonight, while the band plays, I want you to take just a few minutes and I want you to pray and I want you to thank God for the fruit of the Spirit in your life because you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your life is better because the Holy Spirit's power is working in your life. I want you to thank God and I want you to pray for the people that don't have that joy that don't have that peace. You guys, there are a lot of hurting, struggling, anxious, angry people in this room, right? We put on a happy face and we smile at each other and we cut up and we kind of laugh. There are a lot of people going through a lot of heavy, heavy stuff right here in this room. And there are a lot of people, you guys, that are trying to do that without people that love them and without the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine how hard that must be. And so if you're a believer in this room tonight, you have the Holy Spirit, I want you to pray for those people that they would experience what you've got. There's no better time than tonight. The band's gonna sing a song. I would encourage you. If you wanna stand up and sing, stand up and sing your lungs out, man, and praise God and thank you. Thank him for the gift he's given you. I encourage you to pray. Come to this altar if you like. Use your seat as an altar if you like. The band's going to sing one song, and we're going to get out of here, okay? I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing. Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is to know the direction, the guidance, the power of your very spirit, God. What an amazing, amazing reality that is for the believer. God, for those in this room that don't know that reality, that don't know love and joy and peace and the rest of the fruits of the Spirit, God, I pray that you would speak directly to their hearts tonight, God, and change their worlds, turn their lives upside down for the better, God. Lord, we know that that all things are possible through you, God, We we pray for an outpouring of your Spirit on this place, God. We pray for revival in this very room. God, we pray for revival for our church, for our state, for our nation. And there's no reason, God, other than us saying no, why it shouldn't start here with us. God, change hearts and minds and receive the glory for it. In Jesus' name.